In the UK, junk food advertising is banned on children's TV, but manufacturers are still able to target children in other ways. A recent report from the WHO tackling food marketing to children in a digital world takes a look at the issue. And earlier, I talked to two of the authors of that report, Shrau Breder, who's program manager for nutrition, physical activity and obesity at the European Regional Office of the World Health Organization. Also Mimi Tatlow-Golden, who's a lecturer in childhood studies and developmental psychology at the Open University and is lead author of the report. So if we start with you, um, why does the WHO want to focus on digital marketing of junk food to children? I could say that obviously we have to focus on children because WHO has a strong mandate, a request from countries, member states, to work on marketing at the global level, but particularly at the European level. And because we know that marketing of foods to children is related with childhood obesity. And therefore, we have a problem of childhood obesity in Europe. And from previous discussions, we actually realized that digital marketing is most likely a very serious problem of advertising. In particular, because the existing models of regulation or self-regulation seem to not cover enough those, those areas. And it seems that it is an area which is really, um, you know, uh, worrisome to, to that extent. And just to give us a picture around Europe, um, how many countries have some sort of legislation or regulation to try and actually cha- tackle this? Well, I mean, we can say the vast majority of countries, they have some kind of control of advertising. But, you know, the pledges that exist in Europe and particularly in the European Union countries, there are loopholes and they are not fully comprehensive to address these issues, in particular of the digital marketing. And even in those countries and, and beyond that, because the European region of WHO includes 53 countries, so we have countries where regulation and the way, you know, states uh, address the issue is still very limited. And therefore, we would, need, we would need more powerful means of addressing marketing of foods to children, more comprehensive, that cover the gaps, and the gaps are many, uh, and at the same time, to cover this new world of the digital media, like the research tell us it seems that there is a strong movement from traditional media to the digital. And what sometimes is puzzling and very interesting is that it seems there is a huge synergy between TV advertising and digital media as well. But Mimi, she's the specialist. She knows even more about that. So, Okay, Mimi, uh, you say in the report that some things that are specifically banned in TV advertising, and we're talking about the UK here, uh, are being used in digital advertising, these things are like cartoon characters, etc. Um, is there evidence that companies have just switched their marketing strategy or money um, from TV to, to the online world? I'm not privy to the internal marketing decisions of food companies. Um, those are notoriously difficult to access. Unfortunately, they don't, they don't play nice and don't share their internal research plans and information with us. Um, but the evidence so far is, you know, if you look, for example, at a new app like YouTube Kids, um, 
where which is directed even at very young children and is coming on stream in, in various places now. Um, the the evidence when you look at the tactics that they're adopting is that they're constantly seeking new ways to reach um, children once avenues are closed off for them. So in YouTube Kids, they have not only ads, but also channels um, that, um, that, that are run by companies such as you know, McDonald's and so on. Um, and we see, we've seen in social media um, a great deal of sort of very youth-oriented, sort of silly, funny, amusing, entertaining, entertainment-based tactics that are used that are certainly of appeal to kids in their teens. And we also know from data um, around social media use that children are using these social media long before they're technically permitted to do so from the age of 13. So in various ways, they're exposed to these, um, these forms of marketing. Um, you know, it so happens that in the UK, there's a certain amount of restriction. It's not fully effective in broadcast media because it's based on what's called audience indexing. So that depends on not how many children are watching TV at this time, but what proportion of children are, of the audience are watching TV. So if you have a very popular program, then children will still be exposed to that advertising. Um, and in other countries across the entire European, WHO European region, we know that people are increasingly looking to, in effect, they're looking to reach children wherever they can. And that's what food companies and marketing agencies do. It's therefore incumbent on, on governments and on agencies like the WHO to explore and identify what the problem is and support countries in engaging in appropriate regulation. Because there's, you know, at this point, the case is clear, the evidence is available to show that marketing activities for unhealthy foods affect young uh, children's food-related preferences and eating habits. And in the context of an obese continent, that's something that we feel continues to need to be addressed. Mm, absolutely. Um, are children particularly susceptible to digital advertising? We do know that there are, there are certain features of digital advertising that make it particularly difficult to resist. So I, mean, I need to sort of break this down into two things. First of all, um, say, for example, an ad on a web page that's very integrated into the entire format is much more difficult to see as an ad than, say, an ad break on TV, where the program stops, something different starts. And, you know, maybe you go off and get yourself a drink or, you know, go to the loo or whatever. So that's one thing. It's more difficult to distinguish. Um, secondly, in social media and other forms of media now, the, the boundaries are being increasingly blurred deliberately by marketers. So it's not about positioning an ad in a place that is an ad that says buy this thing, all right, or that is an informational um, piece of advertising. It's about hooking children and young people into emotional responses that are associated with their brands. So it's about developing warm, excited, engaged relationships. It's about generating fun, humor, um, amusement, entertainment, and encouraging children and young people to share that information with their friends and become marketers for the companies, unpaid, distribute all the information through their networks, which we also know from the bits and pieces of research 
that are available does take place. And so in that way, you can, you can characterize marketing and social media as a way of recruiting young people to become marketers themselves for products that we believe, that the evidence shows, is unhealthy for them overall. So we are concerned about this. What we don't have is enough data on it. We know that the, um, the media um, platforms have the data, and we know that the food companies and the marketers have the data. But in a world where media companies are closed and private corporations now, we don't get access to those data. And this report is calling for um, ways to be devised in order to get further data to evidence it, because that's what's always wanted from us, um, and also for regulations to be put in place as those data come on stream. We said at the beginning that the UK has some particular legislation around TV advertising and other countries are tackling things in their own ways. Um, now, that's easy in a sort of broadcast media space where it's all local to the country, uh, but digital media crosses borders much more easily. So what are the challenges when it comes to regulation? That's one of the elements that normally WHO tends to highlight quite strongly is this, I mean, the cross-border dimension and the importance of acting together and working together. I mean, you have the European Union, which is an economic and you know, social bloc. It's, it's an important one, and many discussions are taking place there, not just for the European Union itself, but also the influence it has on commercial partners and neighboring countries. So it does, and many other countries follow the examples from the European Union. So certainly it's very important to look at this, and the WHO recommends and tries to promote, to convene member states and scientists around the table to look at this from a, a global and European perspective. So certainly many challenges, but also opportunities to work together there. And there are countries with strict, stricter regulations and initiatives. The UK is certainly one of the countries more advanced on this. And, uh, you know, many of the examples in, in some countries can be used to other countries. Levels of protection of children vary hugely across Europe. So if you ask me, our children are not protected, and, you know, the, the, the levels of protection are, there's a huge, uh, you know, gradient there. And you need to ensure that all children are more protected, they're all protected across the board, and, um, and that all countries have actually the same levels. And WHO is working quite strongly on that. So this report is a call, in a way, like Mimi said, it's a call for us to get the data we need. We need more data and we need clearly more research on this area. And we need to acknowledge is also, you know, really underlining the importance that this type of marketing is, is, is taking and is, is, is having at the moment, you know, in, in the market and, and, and in our countries. So it's really, it's, it's kind of very innovative because it's basically the first time that ever someone is trying to look at it in a comprehensive fashion. But it certainly raises more questions than can provide responses, and we are aware of that. But that's really what the authors wanted, and that's because member states clearly asked WHO to work on this area, and we did it by, you know, highlighting the challenges and raising a series of questions. And we will be working with member states and with scientists, the scientific community. We would also like to stimulate the scientific community to do more research on this field 
and we will be working with all the partners and the stakeholders to ensure that we have that we get the responses that we need and then governments can take action and given the way the internet works unless you put in place some sort of i don't know censorship like china's um do you think it's possible to tackle these things without there being sort of universal agreement i mean internet is you know it's like any other dimension of our lives right i mean the, it evolves and then there are some problems and there are needs for regulation and the establishment of rules i mean whatever you have that is new or not so new governments and society can, can also create ways to address that and it's really not impossible i mean respecting of course all the basic freedoms that we are all uh, you know up to but there are even you know some examples in the region by countries that could serve as good examples and perhaps mimi would like to you know give some of those sure yeah so for for example in finland they have a very specific act relating to alcohol marketing um and it's very restrictive um in terms of what's permitted um what kind of sharing of of information is permitted and and what kind of alcohol advertising is permitted even on social media so i think the idea that oh it's all global now so we throw our hands up into the air and there's nothing we can do is mistaken um i think shaw is correct to say from a you know policy perspective well let's look at the problems identify the issues and then start to work on solutions and you know take we take examples where they already exist so um i can't speak to the veracity of this but i know anecdotally that i've been told that representatives of major social media networks have have lobbied the finnish government to change these regulations but um i don't you know so we know in the background a lot of activity takes place I'm speaking for myself here not on behalf of WHO all right um so uh we know that there's a lot of lobbying activity from these major players they're very major economic players in our, in our media landscape now um and you know it's it's incumbent on policymakers to consider how their activities are having an effect on our populations and on their welfare and how to develop appropriate mechanisms for considering it so if you think about this logically there is a broadcast regulation that says you cannot advertise certain things directly to children um so if that is in place why is it okay for children to be advertised to directly in social media i mean a social media knows exactly to whom it is advertising if you go in to their advertising buying section you can literally choose from drop down menus i want to target 13 to 15 year olds in this area of this country with this particular marketing campaign so if they have the ability to do that they obviously also have the ability to switch it off um and i can't see actually any logical reason speaking as a a scientist a citizen as a parent of why that shouldn't be enabled rather than saying well they're a global corporation you know they're incorporated in another country and therefore we won't be able to deal with it so at present what i see is a situation where you know governments are somewhat enthralled to big providers who are who have become incredibly rapidly very very powerful um and it's time to take back a little bit of that um you know of that the control in that relationship and say well hang on a second we also have the right to determine 
how we believe our society should be constituted, as we've done already in relation to broadcast media. So in that sense, it's not really that radical at all. You did earlier mention the behaviour of children on social media. Um, They lie about their ages to sign up to things like Facebook, which have a a lower age limit. Um, Do you think that sort of behaviour on their part makes this kind of regulation more difficult? Uh, Should it be more broad even, perhaps, and tackle advertising of junk food for the whole population? Well, I'm going to speak personally here because obviously I can't comment on WHO's position regarding that. For myself, you know, as as somebody who's concerned about about human well-being, I sort of wonder if the advertising doesn't work, why do they do it, right? Um, In which case, if it has an effect, I would want to know, is it good for a population in general? However, you know, in in terms of practicalities, if you're thinking, okay, so kids may... um, at the moment, a lot of regulation, not in the UK, but a lot, lot of regulation stops around the age of 12 or 13. There's actually no reason why you wouldn't expect teens, for example, to be influenced by unhealthy food advertising as well. So it would make more sense for all under 18s, for example, to be considered a protected group um, in that sense. Um, you know, in terms of their rights under the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child, they have rights to participate in social life, and that includes in media. They have rights to receive information in media, but they also have rights to have their health protected. Um, And I feel it's time for for governments to step in and start taking those rights seriously in digital media as well. Thanks there to Shrao Breda from the WHO and Mimi Tatlow-Golden from the Open University. That report, Tackling Food Marketing to Children in the Digital World, uh, is published now. You can find the links in the podcast text. If you've enjoyed this and want to hear more, check out our archive on SoundCloud, or you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes to make sure you don't miss out. Thanks for listening.